0: Today, Holy Thursday, we realize Jesus loved his own and he loved them to the end. Now we really, with this evening, enter into the Paschal Mystery. It's the evening in which we see the fulfillment of Christ's mission to reveal to us the mystery of the Father's love. The mystery of the Father and of His love. In the Old Testament, the climactic revelation of God's love was in Israel's exodus from Egypt. And uh, they too remembered that climactic revelation in the Passover and they still do it today but Jesus now gives us a new and eternal covenant instituting the eternal priesthood and leading us now into an eternal exodus an exodus not from Egypt but from the slavery of sin. And the mass in which the mystery of Christ's passion is in fact made present right here is this continual outpouring of that merciful love that covers the wounds of our sins. So that's why In this evening, he loved us always and he loves us to the end. He loved his own and he loved them to the end, St. John says. That's why in the readings, the the first uh, reading will be for that dramatic account from the book of Exodus, where the people are told or transmitted this precious legacy, and they're told what to do and how to commemorate this legacy, and then in the second reading we read about Saint Paul, who talks about how this legacy is transmitted to us through the Eucharist and and what our Lord did on that on that solemn night, and how it was handed on. And then in, in Saint in the Gospel we got Saint John, we get the passage that recounts like a, like a like a glimpse of that. Legacy of love in which the Lord knelt down in front of the apostles and uh, performed that marvelous act of service by washing the apostles' feet. And the church traditionally has reenacted these moments in order to keep the memory alive in us. Well, of course, this year, because of the pandemic, all the liturgical celebrations, certainly with Pope Francis, have been pared down just to the bare essentials. I'm told that uh, they've either eliminated, as far as I know, they're postponing the Christmas Mass. They've eliminated, certainly, the bathing of the feet. <laughs> if there's a place that you don't want to, uh, you know, transmit the virus, it would be cleaning somebody's feet.
1: Um
0: no matter who they are. And, um, but nevertheless, in a, apparently in an impromptu homily, he, he thanked the priests of the world. He said, today all of you brother priests are here with me at the altar. And he wished to hold close to his heart every priest, starting with those who offer their lives for the Lord, who are servants, who are missionaries, who go to far-off lands. Some will die, some have died. In this past year, as I understand, at least 60 priests died in Italy alone from COVID. Among them Miguel Angel Tabit, who is my thesis director and a specialist in Hebrew exegesis in the Old Testament. And uh, he knew the Hebrew, like, you know, he knew it very well. And uh, I still remember that in the classes, as he told us about the Pentateuch and Exodus and Moses, and he he would say, well, then Moses said something like this. And then he would say it out in Hebrew. He would say, Wa, la, la 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 like this." <laughs> <laughs> Nobody understood. I, I certainly didn't understand the Hebrew. And, uh, and he said, "Well, as you notice, that word in Hebrew, la 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 la, whatever it was, <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but uh, uh, it wasn't just shalom, you know. I mean, it was, it was something <laughs> okay. else. It, I don't know what it was, but um, and then he would draw consequences that we were meant to remember. So he knew Hebrew. And the Lord uh, took him last year. He, he was still relatively young, I think. He was only 72 or so. So this year, of course, uh, many of these Christmas masses in the different parts of the world, certainly the case here, are online. It's very hard to watch an online Christmas mass where... You can't be there with your Brother Priests and feel the atmosphere of the Presbyterian. Normally you have a nice meal with your Brother Priests. It's uh, There's tons of Priests around, and uh, you meet other Priests you haven't seen in a while, and uh, you catch up, and you have a nice meal, and then everybody together in unison with the Bishop. And you feel you're part of something well, you know, a family, a community of priests. And you get big, small, medium, short hair, long hair, old. You get just about everything there, you know. Thin, thick. (laughs) Everything. And now all we do is just watch three or four of them on the, uh, you know, the... In the sanctuary there that 's it, but we offer that, knowing that the bishop nevertheless bishop nevertheless blesses the oil the oils of chrism for confirmation and for priesthood, the oil of catechumens and the oil um, the oil of the sick right? for the for the people who are anointed for what we call traditionally last rites or the anointing of the sick. And these are oils that are used in really key moments in people's lives. These oils, these oils are not just there for, I mean, they're, they're there for really important moments. I knew a guy who a few years ago was studying, he was studying uh, engineering or something and, uh, in a city. He had not been baptized and didn't know really anything about the faith. He was basically an atheist, but. Somebody talked to him about the faith and uh, suggested he read a book and he started to show some interest in the faith and then sort of almost almost by accident, he ended up in an rCA program and then bit by bit, he eventually was baptized. This was a few years ago, and uh, he started coming for a means of formation and uh, you know was uh, you know, let's say, let's say, moderately induced with the, the faith, and um, but then he met a girl. He met a girl, and but she was like atheist, 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 and atheist. Right? <laughs> and uh, her mother, I don't know, father was an atheist. Relatives were an atheist. Everybody was an atheist. And he felt he couldn't say, "I'm a Catholic," because she would. Uh, he was afraid he would be rejected and stuff, so he treaded very, very carefully about being uh, Catholic. He just didn't want to. He didn't want to ruffle the the situation. But bit by bit, she began to see his integrity, and uh, finally, he revealed to her that yes, I am you know, like that. He, he sort of tried to say it quietly, um, and she began to ask more questions. At first, she thought it was absurd uh, and all that, but she began to ask more and more questions, and she literally got a well. She got a kind of a special grace, and uh, well, uh, this this Sunday she will be baptized. You know? So. Uh, We're all very thrilled. And she will be, of course, anointed with the uh, oil of catechumens as well. Actually, I think she already has. And um, they'll have to do that in the context of all the COVID restrictions. They can't do it on the Easter Vigil because of, you know, whatever. They have to do it on a very special time. But it'll be certainly a key moment in her life. A key moment. That baptism and that oil. And, of course, for some, it will be the end of their life. And all of this finds its origin in what happened on that evening, on that supper. That solemn moment of Jesus with his apostles. Few meals have ever had such resonance. You go to a marriage, and it'll cost you, you know, $100 a plate. Right? And uh, you may have a great meal, and you may have an, an amazing appetizer, right? and wonderful sa- champagne, and uh, a digestivo after. Right? <laughs> right? But uh, no meal has had so much resonance as this one, so many implications. Meaning it required a lot of preparation. Just as you prepared the meal this evening, everybody said, "Whoa, this is amazing! This is with all the details that it's supposed, and the yeah it was you know duly noted let's say and um, well, the same thing had to be done with the apostles, and the gospel in, indeed tells us about Jesus in Jerusalem with his disciples, and when Thursday dawned, the first day of unleavened bread, it was customary for them to sacrifice the Passover, Thursday. So it was the time. They had to prepare, as many other families did, to prepare the Passover. This was very important for the Jews, and they were Jews. They didn't fully understand that this was going to be a very, 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 very special Passover. But regardless, it had to be prepared and it had to be well prepared. So, his disciples said to him, where shall we go to prepare for you to eat the Passover? They're waiting for instructions. So Jesus sent Peter and John to go into the city and you will meet a man with a pitcher, with a jug. And he'll show you an upper room. That's from St. Mark. I picture the place. They're going through the city, and they're going around, and they're looking. Okay, where's this guy with the pitcher? Where's the guy with the jug? I mean, there must have been tons of people with jugs. I mean, it's like, you know, look for a guy in a car. You know, I mean, you know, if you're going around Toronto, look for a guy in a car. Uh, You know, or look for a guy with a mask on, <laughs> there would have been a lot. So, but then they would have seen this guy, some guy, with a jug. And he's carrying, well, it's a water jug, right? But I think they would have been moved to look at that guy, not just any guy. Who was this man with the jug? I would suspect he was an intimate friend of Jesus. Some people say he was Joseph of Arimathea, the guy who supplied the uh, place of burial. You know, a well-to-do guy. Although, if he was well-to-do, he wouldn't necessarily be carrying around a jug. But, uh, <laughs> but some say that he might. The guy with the jug might have been the father of Mark, whose house was used as a meeting place. After the death of Christ. So it might have been the father of Mark. Or it might have been a relative of Mark. I don't know. But it is clear that Mark gives greater detail of the Last Supper than Matthew. So it's very likely that... Well, it's quite likely anyway that the Last Supper took place in Mark's house. So this guy, the, the man with the, the jug, he takes them... It says, he took them to a room, it was well furnished and well ordered. I don't know if that's the exact phrase, but something like that. Furnished and well ordered. And of course, that's what our soul has to be like tonight. Well furnished, ordered, as we're about to receive you, Lord. In the Eucharist, that's what we say. You know, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, into my I'm, you know, I want to be well-ordered, but, you know, cleanse my room, cleanse my, furnish my, my room where I can receive you in your Eucharist. And I picture, I imagine, I imagine you also have to carry jugs and things of water in the administration, and you probably do that with a sense of responsibility and love, and it is important to do that just as that man with the jug led the apostles to that upper room that was going to have so, so much resonance in the history of the world. He said, okay, I've got to take them. I don't, I don't want to get lost now. Okay, I've got to make sure I take them to the right place. And And maybe even that water that he had in that jug was going to be used by Jesus... Uh, th- to do the washing of the feet because I mean they didn't have uh, you know like they didn't have uh, the robinet there they didn't have uh, you know sinks with uh, running water as far as I know in those days and so when you have to carry a jug when you have to carry a broom when you have to carry a spatula when you have to carry uh, a pot anything always to do so with love, I remember that point in the way by <coughs> Saint Josemaria when he said, "Many great things depend. Don't forget it. On whether you and I live our lives as God wants. Many great things depend. You know, we want to we want to do these things out of out of love. Maybe with a certain decision." Uh, breaking the temptation to procrastinate certain things we put off things we don't like to do we have to be like the man with the jug just go okay it's this way this is the place make decisions with awareness with a certain mindfulness in the present moment of course that jug was used by Jesus as the point of identification. If that man had decided not to do his regular duty, maybe the apostles would not have recognized him. But they knew, oh, this is the man. Let's follow him. Without this picture, he could not have made that act of service or served for the apostles' as the the model for the act of charity. And I suppose that after having prepared and done the work of preparation for Holy Thursday, you might, since it's late, be exhausted. I suppose many are tired in Rome, but any tiredness, any hardship, when we do it out of love, we do it to express our love for you, Lord, and that too, that tiredness, can be an act of love. So there we picture them now arriving in the upper room. It's nice. It turns out it is nice. It's a nice place. It's clean. And the Lord uses that strange, strange that that's curious formulation, in Luke at least, Desiderio desideravi in Latin. I have eagerly desired, or I have desired with desire, to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Desiderio desideravi. And with these words began the celebration of his final meal and the institution of the Holy Eucharist. And he had approached that hour with that desiderio, desideravi, that eager desire, that zealous desire. His heart on fire. His heart awaited that moment. And when he would give himself and show them, show them the means in which they could make him present with in the bread and the wine. Now, the Jews, of course, would normally have had a lamb at the center of the table. But now, well, there is no lamb. There is no lamb. But nobody is saying anything. There's just bread. There's wine. There's some bitter herbs, a few other things. But, of course, why is there no lamb? That's what was foreseen—a lamp whose bones could not be broken. And it had to be a pure, you know. It had to be without blemish. Of course, the Lord is not changing the ceremony. There is a lamb, but it is He Himself who is the lamb, not just an animal. After all, what could, a, what could a, an animal offer? A simple animal for the redemption of, of man, for the expiation of our sins. The right? letter to the Hebrews says that too. Right? What can what can the blood of goats and the blood of bulls uh, do for our the expiation of our sins? Only the true Lamb, Jesus Christ, could do that. But why does he say this, I have eagerly desired, desiderio desideravi, well, he waited that moment, in in which, in some sense, the true messianic wedding feast would take place, in which he would trans, transform the gifts of this world and become one with his own, so as to transform them and inaugurate the transformation of the world with this in this eager desire. You know we can we can recognize God God Himself who who has a, a kind of a love for mankind mm, for his creation and somewhere there in that desiderio desideravi that eagerly I've eagerly desired there is a desire for you for your correspondence to see you holy to see you faithful a love which awaits that moment of union. We can picture Don Alvaro celebrating his last Mass there in the Seneca, the place where our Lord instituted the Eucharist. Of course, he did not know that his last Mass was this one here, right here. He was given an enormous privilege to be able to celebrate Mass there in in that place in the Seneca. And the pictures show, at least we can sense that he is doing so with great intensity, with great love, favor, He had fervor rather. He had turned 80, and this was a special gift that he had longed for. He was really there as a pilgrim. He was not like a tourist, taking photos. He had told us, I remember he had told us that... that when he had been at a mass at one point with Pope John Paul II, and one of the bishops, con celebrating during the, the con celebration, pulled out from underneath his chasuble a video camera and started filming everything during the mass. And uh, Don Alvaro, who I think he was seated next to him or something or whatever, close to him, he found this very distracting. He thought, that, well, is he celebrating mass or is he into tourism? And that that young lady who's going to be baptized asked me she said father do you think it's okay that somebody take pictures while i get baptized and like she thought maybe isn't it too sacred a moment for that to happen like as though taking a picture might be uh, you know inappropriate because this moment in which the holy spirit will descend upon her needs to be needs to be you know Care for well. I told it's okay. It's okay. You can have a picture taken. It's okay. It's not like you know the the guy pulling out the camera in the middle of mass, you know. But uh, um, so she said, okay, I, I will. I will ask somebody to take a picture during the baptism. Well, these are these are important moments for us, and let us draw all our energies and especially now as we commemorate this very special night, this unique night. And let's be very united with uh, the Father who had that uh, virtual get-together with all those people for UNIV and um, thousands of people were connected with him. And we should be united to the Holy Father who is thinking about all the priests in the world, he's thinking about all the Christians in the world who cannot really live these these solemn rituals as normal. But, well, at least we are still in some way spiritually united. And uh, let us try to draw all our energies now from the Holy Eucharist that we will receive as you do your thanksgiving. Right? Ask for greater supernatural vision, greater um, spiritual and moral strength, so to be a source of fervor, source of vision, a source of zeal in the apostolate, and uh, the Lord will make you strong in this beautiful celebration of uh, Holy Thursday. Together with our Blessed Mother, okay, who will intercede for us, I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me. In this meditation, I ask you all to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.